1: time for the friday edition of hancock and kelly you two belong together john hancock michael kelly sponsored by insperity hr that makes a difference on news radio 1120 kmox one day more yeah buddy another day
4: another destiny yeah okay very nice this never-ending road to (sighs) calvary yeah well is, brother yeah I'm going to see it this evening. Are you now? I am Isn't Isn't that like and a Three and a half hours long. It is. It's a. It's a love saga of unbelievable that. proportion. It's a, a. story of the survival of the human spirit, the French Revolution, uh, a love between a da- a father and a daughter, uh, a, a man and a woman. Gripping. Uh, it's, buddy, you've never seen Les Mis, have No, you? I have not. Three and a half hours.
5: Yeah. I, I saw Gandhi one time at the movie theater. I, I can't sit for three hours.
4: At, uh... Well, they have an intermission at, of course uh, when did. you go to the theater. Uh, when was the last yeah. time you went to the theater, to the, the Broadway theater? The theater. The theater. Um,
5: well, I've seen, uh, uh I've Weird seen... Weird Al Yonkovic. Uh, I've <laughs> seen Fire and I've seen Rain. Uh-huh. I've seen... Sunny days that I thought so, would never end. You've never been to the theater? Uh, I've been to the theater. You've
4: been to a Broadway f- show? I've
5: been to Broadway. I well, saw an Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, you show on Broadway. It was called Song and Dance.
4: Ah, I never heard of that. It one. didn't.
5: It didn't make it. But yeah. uh, who was in that thing? Oh, it was. Uh, the gal with the uh, kinky hair. Um, oh, of course, right. Uh, well, the you know the uh, the famous uh, Bernadette Peters. Oh, Bernadette Peters. She was okay, in it. yeah. And one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard was in "Song and Dance." Yeah, I
4: saw that in 1986
5: mm-hmm.
4: on well, Broadway. Hey, it's the Hancock and Kelly Show. That's John Hancock, Mr. Culture. Uh, I'm Michael Kelly. I'm going to see Les Mis tonight at the fabulous Fox Theater. I haven't been to the Fox in a couple of years. Great venue. It's a beautiful place. You know, last week I went and saw Le down in Nashville, the same tour that's coming through. So you,
5: it, it's, how many times have you seen this thing? Oh, dozens, a couple dozen. It, it, it's the,
4: the music, John, is spectacular. Let me tell you something. Does the plot ever change? No, the plot's the it, same. It, it, is, the, is the script the same? Everything's exactly the, the, same, the same, but the music is just so special. Listen, you're biting off something here you're not going to want to open up Pandora's box on. I open up these phone lines, the amount of people who will call in to defend Les Mis, you you, you have no, oh, no idea. Oh, I'm sure it's lovely.
5: I'm sure it's it lovely. is
4: lovely. the greatest musical that that has ever made its way across our country. Oh, come on, buddy. it is, brother. It's, it's, I, wh- it why would be, I lie to you? It can't
5: be half as good as Anything Goes.
4: Yeah, no, it's 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 far better. And it's <laughs> <you know>. <laughs> 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 anything goes. That's the only words anybody knows. Yeah, Cole anything Cole goes. Who was from Indiana, by the way? Cole is that right? <laughs> Well, anyway, I, I I was in Nashville last week. They have a giant auditorium. You know, this is the the center of country music. You know, oh yeah, it's just a giant auditorium. auditorium. wasn't even that pretty of a theater. Uh, and now to get to go see it in this beautiful yeah, the Fox place is that amazing. we have.
5: Yeah, uh, where are you sitting?
4: I don't know. No, oh, doesn't okay. matter. I could be standing room only. You're I'd not going to be in one of those little balcony boxes. What do you things? think? I got your hookups, brother. <laughs> I'm I'm a working guy. I'll probably uh, be sitting in uh, cheap seats. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I I once produced a show in the Fox Theater. What McDonald's Gospel Fest? McDonald's is in the the restaurant. Yeah, McDonald's. Yeah. They had a gospel fest. We did. We had. I was. Two all uh, beef uh, patty uh,
5: specials. No, no, no. So we had. We used to put this on every year. Uh, it was a charitable thing. We'd go to sh- the shopping malls, uh-huh. and these choirs would show up in audition. Uh huh. And then we'd pick the ones for the. Uh, for the performance at the Fox Theater and I one or two nights I can't remember six years ago and uh, we sold the tickets and brought people in we had one of the big stars from BET uh-huh. uh uh come and MC the thing and it was uh, it was quite a quite a deal.
4: Well, that's interesting. Yeah,
5: McDonald's and fest. the Gospel Fest. Yeah, the
4: John m- Hancock, music
5: producer. Yeah, I was the McDonald's Gospel Fest. That would have been what 1990 Did Ronald Three? make it an appearance at the uh, Gospel Fest? Ronald was not at the Gospel Fest.
4: Cuz we all know that you had worked for uh McDonald's in the past and your job was to be in charge of Ronald. I was Ronald's boss. Yeah. He reported to me. Oh, John, how you doing? Yeah,
5: he was making more money than I was, but uh Is that right? Oh yeah, Ronald was No, that nah, that's
4: not true. Do you think for Fredbird makes more than his boss? Oh, Fredbird's making money. Yeah. Guaranteed. I, I was talking to Claiborne the other day. You know, they got the Cardinal Cruise and he's going on it, and Fredbird's going on the cruise, and he says, Fredbird, it's the most essential part of the Cardinal Cruise.
5: Yeah. Yeah, well, these mascots make so much money. Uh-huh. Some of them. I mean, some of them make hundreds of thousands of dollars, you well, know. Get ready for a sports Saturday on OX. First up, men's Billikens
1: basketball action as they take on LaSalle with a 2 p.m. tip. Immediately following the game, it's NFL divisional playoff action. First, it's the Chiefs and Jaguars. Then, the Giants and Eagles. Hear it all on a sports Saturday on America's Sports Voice, of OX.
4: Happy Friday, St. Louis. It's Hancock and Kelly in for our regular gig. We'll go with you all the way to 11 o'clock. We'll be joining the show. We'll come back a little bit later in the afternoon and Dave Glover and the crew. We're doing all that. Yeah, we're going to do it all today. Plus, we're going to walk Gus and uh, maybe play a little snooker together. So, there's uh, the life and times of Hancock and Kelly. My lovely day. John, exactly two years ago today, Joe Biden was sworn in as president of the United States. You'll yep. remember it comes in on the heels of. January 6th, an insurrection attempt that uh, tried to overthrow him taking the presidency. Many of us thought that um, uh, this was going to be an extremely difficult two years to govern in, Uh, even though the Democrats had control of both Congresses. um, uh, Joe Biden had a very successful uh, first two years of his presidency. Uh, I think that's likely to come to an end now that the Republicans control uh, one of the branches of government or one of the houses of the legislative uh, branch of government. But it's been a pretty successful two years for Joe Biden. Well, he's gotten some legislation through.
5: And, uh, you know, I, I, it hasn't been an unmitigated success, however. Uh, you had the, the failed pullout from Afghanistan, which was a debacle. Uh, he wanted his Build Back Better boondoggle. Uh It got basically cut in half. Uh, by Congress because he couldn't get that through. So, I mean, But but um, I'll give him credit. He did get some some legislation passed with a Democrat majority in the House and a narrow majority in the Senate. So good for him.
4: Yeah, and uh, now as he enters the second two years, he finds himself in the midst of uh, what I guess we could argue is a scandal. Oh, it is a scandal. Um, and interestingly enough, it happens to be the same scandal that uh, his predecessor, uh, is involved in that uh, we all know the narrative there, but this is a sitting president of the United States who now has a special counsel investigating him. Uh, prior to this, I think the last special counsel I, for of a president was it was it Whitewater was it the no Gordon? it was Robert Mueller Robert Mueller into right. the Russian the Russian yeah uh, mm-hmm. Russia. Uh, but, but was that directly on Donald Trump? No, that really wasn't. I mean, this is directly on Joe Biden. Right. So the microscope yeah. is directly on him. He made comments for the first time yesterday in California, saying that the second he recognized this stuff, it was immediately turned over. Yeah. Um, and this is definitely not the way that the, the, the current president would like to start his uh, next two years. No.
5: And, you know, this is a big deal because, A, he was vice president when he left office in the Obama administration, and he was carting off uh, top secret documents. So that's a problem. B... As the vice president, he had no ability to declassify anything. Uh, so, well, Trump makes the argument that he declassified stuff, which I think is a bogus argument. But at least he can make that argument because he had been the president.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Biden can't make that argument. C, you've seen what happened to Donald Trump. He he got, a, a, you know, a warrant served on Mar-a-Lago to go take out the documents. Uh, it was all the news for the better part of months and months and months. And I don't buy the fact that Joe Biden says, oops, I didn't know I had these documents. They were in different places. They had some at the office. They had some at the Corvette. You know, I don't buy the fact that he didn't
4: know he had them. Okay, so two things. Number one, they tried to work with Donald Trump to hand this stuff over. I mean, the whole reason there was a raid on Mar-a-Lago is Donald Trump refused to turn over classified documents. He knew they had them. The government knew he had them, and he chose not to turn them over. They subpoenaed him. He defied that subpoena. That's the reason he got the raid. Joe Biden, rightfully so, you're saying, hey, wait a minute, he had these. Once they're recognized, they're turning them over. My problem with Joe Biden's narrative is these documents were recognized prior to the election, Um, this most recent election in November, and we just heard about it in the last couple of weeks. Right, That's problematic from a standpoint. And that's why I think that the special counsel needs to be investigating is, did they know longer than November of this past year? Had he known for a couple of years that he had classified documents? Oh, he had to have. And remember, it wasn't Joe Biden turning these over. But we wouldn't His mean thing. he had to have. I, I don't know that the president sometimes knows, you know, what time it is. Oh, uh, he, you know. No, he,
5: he, he knew he had them. And. And it was his lawyers that found them and turned them over. It wasn't Joe Biden saying, oh, by the way, you know, let's let's give back those, uh, those top secret documents that I have in my office and out in the garage by the Corvette. His lawyers stumbled upon them. They said, wow, and they turned them over. And so I wouldn't give Joe Biden too much credit here. And here's the underlying problem here for both Donald Trump and Joe Biden, in my opinion is that these documents may well have been, and we don't know, but they may well have been used for to be monetized. Or they could be innocuous. You Could be. But why would you keep innocuous? I mean, the whole point of having them, and in both cases, the Trump family, whether it be Jared Kushner uh, making the $2 billion investment from the Saudis after right. leaving office— uh, making six hundred million dollars while serving in the White House—that's mm-hmm. Jared Kushner, right? Or Hunter Biden, who was monetizing his father's relationships in China and Ukraine. Uh, when you've got a family business that is profiting off of government service, that is wrong. And I think it's—I think it's fairly widespread. True that. I think it's fairly widespread in Washington D.C. These people go into office. You know, there's middle class Americans and they come out as millionaires. And I don't I don't understand how that works. Well, and lots if of I, if family I members if I did. I'd run for. Congress. Yeah. And
4: lots of family members wind up becoming lobbyists. Right. And that's not exclusive to any individual. No, that no. seems to happen to everybody who winds up uh, in Congress that that stays for some period of time. Yeah,
5: but I, I do wonder uh, and I hope the Justice Department gets to the bottom of it in both cases. Uh, whether those documents were being used to to monetize them well, on behalf of, a
4: I have no evidence that Merrick Garland is playing games here. I agree um, with that. and I think he hopped up immediately and and put this special counsel in place. So lots, this is all happening in the backdrop of this uh, fight for the debt ceiling that we've talked about. Now we all witnessed what happened on your side of the aisle: fifteen votes, four days of nonsense to pick a speaker. Um, Long forgot. Now we've got to go and try to pay the b- credit card bill that we've already paid. Many of these dollars, uh, all these dollars have already been spent. Republicans are leveraging this for some compromise, potentially. Are they willing to take this to the brink? Are they willing to make the American government potentially shut down? Uh, wh- where What is the end game here for the Republican Party? And don't we all know that eventually they're just going to fix this?
5: Probably, although, you know, you're looking at a situation where you've got a four-seat majority in the House uh, by Republicans, and there is no unanimity among that caucus, and it literally could take a handful. Now, at some point, there's gonna, the, the solution here is going to have to be bipartisan. I don't think the Republicans can pull the votes together in the House to pass a debt ceiling. They, they just can't do it. Right. So it's going to take some Democrats to be with them uh McCarthy's going to have to play a, a role here and I hope he plays a, a, a proper role if they use this uh, suspense date to negotiate some kind of a spending control mechanism it will have been worth it in my opinion uh, if they if they just play it to the brink and then you know what I, then it's it's political theater that could be damaging to the country
4: we will continue to keep an eye on that as we continue to keep an eye on the freshman senator from New York Santos Tommy. i guess that's his name right yeah uh, george santos well, george santos they used several um you know it's daily um uh, more stuff seems to come out on yeah, this he guy needs to go. He needs to go. But, you know, the one person who's not saying that is Kevin McCarthy. Right.
5: Yeah, McCarthy, you know, he needs to vote, and I understand that. But this guy needs to go. And you know what I find really fascinating here is Santos is coddling up with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Of course. and The deplorables. Who, Matt Gates. Yeah. <laughs> but Marjorie Taylor Green, whatever else she may be, she claims to be an evangelical Christian. Mm-hmm. And plays that card... A lot. And I don't know her. I don't know whether her faith is genuine. I'm not going to question it. But that's certainly the person she portrays herself to be. And this guy, the Santos guy, is just is rotten to the core. I mean, everything about him. Uh, all of the lies. The, I don't know if you've followed the veteran's dog campaign. Where right. He raised Sold three the 3,000? 3, yeah. You know, so for folks listening, uh, he had... Helped raise money for a veteran with PTSD whose dog had cancer and needed surgery. And he raised $3,000 online and then never called the veteran back, wouldn't return his calls, and he kept the money. And the dog died. Uh, You know, that's not a good person that would do something like that. He was performing in drag shows in in Brazil. And just everything you learn about this guy, we don't know yet whether his campaign finances were on the up and up. Uh, but they probably weren't, uh, given what everything else we know about the guy and I don't see the, how the evangelical Republican voter is going to embrace something like this. The guy needs to go
4: so, so why why I understand McCarthy needs the vote, but why go through this almost daily this is this is consuming. National media, uh, as and, and by the way, it's only going to get worse the more they look into this guy. They're going to continue to find stuff. I agree with that. Why not take the Band-Aid off and move on from this clown?
5: Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what should happen. We probably lose that seat in a special, uh, given the fact yeah. that this guy, one, is a Republican— Uh, that may be what's holding things back,
4: but it's not worth it. Short period of time here, so let's uh, get into it. Uh, The State of the State happened. Mike Parson made his State of the State down in Jefferson City. Typically a partisan uh, speech at times. That was not the case. This speech, John Hancock... All reports that I'm getting from Jefferson City is the Democrats seem to like this speech as much, if not more, than the Republicans did.
5: Well, he hands, he's handing out big raises to teachers, you know, and uh, that's a big constituency of the Democrats, and uh, raising the starting teacher teacher salary in the state considerably. I mean, not just a little bit, but considerably. And uh, yeah, I think, that, I think that was very popular. One of the reasons that the state is able to do this is because it has been so well managed fiscally and... We got all the federal money in from COVID that, you know, every state in the country is sitting on. But, uh, that's what's, that's what's doing this. And that's, that's what the Democrats found, uh, very popular.
4: Yeah. And there was also talk about expanding Highway 70 to three lanes going each way, uh, throughout the state of Missouri. Anybody who's been out there on the Highway 70 past Winsville knows what a nightmare it is. Well, to you me. have one accident and you're done. Yeah. You're done for hours. Yeah. And it's the main artery that goes through the entire country here. So, um, uh, The governor says he's going to invest in that. We're going to come back to education later in the hour. I want to talk to you a little bit about what may be driving the governor's speech. Yep, lots to come. We're going to talk about the
5: death of David Crosby. Brad Young is going to join us and talk about the Alec Baldwin charges. That'll be fascinating. We will debate school choice. All that and more coming your way. It's Hancock and Kelly on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together.
1: John Hancock, Michael Kelly. Sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. Got out of town on a boat on the Southern Island. she was making for the trades
5: David Crosby outside. dead at 81. he left us yesterday after a just storied career in music a man that transcended multiple generations uh, multiple decades making
4: very good music and uh, but it, Michael he was a difficult human. Yeah, he was a troubled soul. He had uh, drug problems, alcohol problems. He had to get his uh, liver replaced in the early '90s as a result of overuse of uh, alcohol. Um, you know, back when I used to travel a little bit, uh, I'd spent a little bit of time out in Kauai. Yeah, uh, he had a house out in Kauai. A bunch of musicians out there, and uh, I saw him on the beach one day. Yeah, it didn't bother him. People left him alone. Um, but had strong ties out there and in California. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, John, but, um, you know, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young had quite a, a catalog by the time I started to become music conscious. Yeah. And uh, as when I first started to learn about bands that, that were prior to my existence, like the Beatles, the second one that I really got into was Crosby, Stills, Nash. And then, of course, sometimes Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young.
5: Yeah, Neil Young. Yeah, and, you know, David Crosby... Uh, immensely gifted musician. Started off with the Birds, um, and Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and did had a phenomenal solo career as well. And but he really tragically uh, fell into these horrible relationships with Stephen Stills and Graham, or and Neil Young. And you know, it's uh, it, it is tragic. You know, you spend that much time create some historic music together. Uh, and then the relationships just well, fail.
4: Well, I mean, the divorce rate in this country is at about fifty percent. Yeah. Um. And you just imagine, you know, here's a person that you're not intimately romantically involved with. That you <laughs> he was romantically
5: involved with a bunch of their wives. Yeah. Though.
4: Right. Yeah. And and that caused a bunch of issues. You but I think? mean, that that would cause uh for fallout. And then very opinionated uh, as he went on later in oh, life yeah. and was. Uh, uh, really uh, n- had no uh, willingness or want to reconcile some of those relationships. I, I follow him on Twitter, or did follow him on Twitter. Yeah. I guess he's still on Twitter. But, um, you know, he was tweeting up until Wednesday of this week. Is that right? Yeah, he had uh, put out what's the best song to listen to uh, on a rainy day, and he said, well, Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles. I think that may have been his last tweet. Huh. Uh, so his social media presence had, had made a lot of us think that, yeah, he, we all knew he was aging. He had made references to dying, that, uh, but had no idea that it was this close or impending.
5: Yeah, I hadn't heard anything like that. And he's the first one of that band, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, to die, I think.
4: Uh, yeah, that's right.
5: And, you know, it's a, a very distinct voice that David Crosby had. He's a very gifted composer, and, uh, and just the volume of music that they created they, is they staggering. Turned out.
4: And, of course, he also was in The Birds uh, that, that was a very successful group. He was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice. Uh, here's something that I learned. I had no idea. Melissa Etheridge, yeah. uh, the singer, folk singer as well. Uh, she's a, 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 an out lesbian. Mm-hmm. Uh, he donated his sperm uh, to her, and that is the father of her child. Um. Huh. So David Crosby is the father of Melissa Etheridge's son. I, I had didn't no clue. read the obituary. Did he have children through uh, marriage? I don't believe so. I think uh, he survived by his wife, Jan, and this young son that right. was with Melissa Etheridge. Yeah, you know what? He, I think he did have kids because uh, uh, when I was out in Kauai, they had said that uh, some of his kids had lived there. So, yeah, ah. I
5: believe so. Okay, well, there you go.
4: Uh, Were you a Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young fan? Oh, when
5: I was a kid, buddy, uh, I was I was David Crosby. Really? So me and Tommy Wald, my next-door neighbor, we would uh, go out in the backyard and tape a Super Ball onto a onto a little cylinder thing and uh-huh. turn it into a microphone, <laughs> and uh, we would sing Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young in the backyard when I was five and six years
4: old. Yeah, and, and he, he and Neil Young, I, I mean, I guess they had some difficulty, but Neil Young seems to have difficulty in a lot of his relationships. He's a unique soul. Uh, that he just kind of goes and does his own thing. Uh, I don't know that it's as hard as, like you said, with Stephen Stills. He and Stephen Stills had a horrible falling yeah. out and they would refuse to ever make it right. And as a result of uh, the last 20 years, there was no music of the, they, those folks performed together. Really sad.
5: Uh, you know, and you, Simon and Garfunkel, you think about they, they had a, a pretty nasty split, but they came back together, right? At one point, the Beatles. And performed, uh, Well, yeah, the Beatles, uh, nobody could get along ever since Yoko got involved.
4: Yeah, well, and, you know, and and obviously we we have the benefit of hearing from Paul McCartney now about 20, 30 years after John Lennon dies, and he talks about how that someday they would have gotten back together, that this was just John having to go his own path. That wasn't the case for Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. There was no hope they would ever get back together. You know, I
5: think this is a fairly common occurrence with these bands because— a number of bands have had these falling outs, uh, you know, where they won't talk. The Eagles had issues. Right. Um, I mean, it's. I think it's more common than not. You look at a group like Rush, and now there's just three of them, but they, you know, they got along swimmingly their entire careers uh, until the death of, of Neil Pert, the drummer. Right. But, uh, you know, those three, but it's, it's rare for bands to survive a couple of decade career without having some kind of a massive issue.
4: Were the Rolling Stones are they all the, were they all the original Rolling Stones yeah, I uh, think as they went later? Are. Yeah, it's the exception yeah. not the rule that yeah. folks would stick together. Heck, some people may even wonder if Hancock and Kelly'll stay together. Yeah, well, you
5: just never know. <laughs> hey, when we come back, I'll tell you who's got some trouble out there. Who's that? Alec Baldwin. Oh boy. He's got he's got trouble. All mm, kinds of trouble. Totally. Manslaughter charges. What does it all mean? Well, when you want to know, you turn to the voice that knows the law from the law firm of Harris, Dowell, Fisher, and Young. Brad Young is next on X.
0: His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. will always be worth it.
1: Now, back to Hancock & Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes
4: a difference, on News Radio
1: 1120,
4: KMOX. And welcome back to Hancock & Kelly. I'm Michael Kelly. That's John Hancock over there. And joining us now is Brad Young from Harris, Dahl, Fisher & Young. Hello, Bradley. How are you?
2: You know, uh, you've made my day, Michael, because you never get the name of my law firm right. Yeah. And I think this is the first time that you've done it. So, you know, listen, I I, hey, I, I applaud you, my friend. That's fabulous. <laughs> yeah,
4: send me that email because I got a speeding ticket I was hoping that whole law firm could fix for uh, me. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll
2: help you out with that.
4: <laughs> hey, wanted to get you on. Uh, yesterday the news broke that uh, Alec Baldwin is going to be charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. Uh, this, is, of course, is related to the filming of this movie, uh, what is it called, Rust, that was taking place out in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Brad, what is involuntary manslaughter?
2: Well, in, in, involuntary manslaughter differs from murder, but they both involve the killing of an individual. But with involuntary manslaughter, there's, the defendant lacks the intent to kill someone. But it's considered to be they're considered to be responsible because their level of negligence is so high that they are deemed to be responsible for the death, even though the death of the decedent wasn't the intent of the person convicted.
4: Okay, so this is a hypothetical, but let's say I'm driving on Highway 4064 and some person is trying to cross the highway and I were to strike them with my automobile and they were to die, obviously they shouldn't be on a highway. Is that the type of thing that would be charged with involuntary manslaughter?
2: Well, it depends on how you strike them. That would be more, uh, I, I don't think really that would fit the okay. bill because I don't see any negligence there. Let me give you this example. Okay, please. If there's, a, if there's a, a carnival ride, a person's operating a carnival ride and fails to buckle someone in and they die on the carnival ride, then the idea is is that 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 carnival worker didn't intend to kill the person, but his or her negligence in failing to make sure that that person was buckled in is so great that they're held criminally responsible for the death.
4: Okay, so um, what type of penalties can follow with uh, involuntary manslaughter? Is this something you could go to jail for life for?
2: Not for life. It's considered to be a much lesser charge because it lacks there's a, there's a Latin term called mens rea. That means you have the intent to commit a crime and involuntary manslaughter. uh, Individuals lack that uh, mental state to commit a crime. So the charges or rather the penalties are much lower. Uh, For example, I believe in this New Mexico situation uh, with Alec Baldwin, the the most that they could be facing in terms of jail time, the maximum would be about six and a half years. Wow. That's uh, that's
5: a a long time. time.
2: Yeah. Uh, his defense here is what? Well, his defense, and he's going to have a very good defense, and, and, and I'm going to predict right here, he's not going to be convicted of anything. Ah. He, he, may, he may plead to some sort of a misdemeanor, weapons charge, mishandling of a dangerous product or something like that, but he's not going to be convicted of anything here. And here's the reason why. The, the defense to an involuntary manslaughter charge is what's called a supervening cause. That means that that defendant gets to argue that it wasn't their actions that killed the decedent, but someone else actually caused the death of this person because of their negligence or their actions. That's the supervening cause defense. And that's what's going to be applied here because Alec Baldwin can say, listen, um, I didn't have a reasonable expectation to believe that there was a hot round in this gun. I relied on Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, the armorer, to hand me a gun with a cold load and it's her negligence not mine that led to this death situation and i and i think that's going to be a strong strong yeah defense.
4: And, and just on the face of it 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 that seems like a, a legitimate argument because i you know i'm if you put a gun in front of me and said michael check to see that there's not a bullet in there i wouldn't even know how to do it who even knows if this man knew how to handle a gun he's
2: playing make believe in a costume Um, He is, but but he's had a lot of familiarity in his career with using firearms in movies, so he would have a familiarity with how a gun operates. But that's not really the question. The question is, did he have a reasonable expectation or did he have rather more importantly, did he have a duty to check that gun? Let's look at the at the carnival guy situation. He has a duty to make sure that everyone is buckled and he failed. Or you talk about uh, a case where a drunk driver kills someone. That drunk driver has a duty to operate that vehicle uh, without being impaired. But does does Alec Baldwin here have a duty to double-check the gun to make sure that it's not a hot load? He doesn't have that duty, because that duty is held by the armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, She's the one that's ultimately going to be holding the bag here.
4: So, uh, how much discretion does the prosecutor have here? Because if any of us can look at this and say, I mean, you're predicting right now he's not going to be charged or he won't be convicted of anything, could the prosecutor have said no? Or does the law force her to prosecute him with involuntary manslider?
2: It's not a forcing. I think it's a public perception that if in this unique situation, Michael, you literally have Alec Baldwin, despite his protestations. Otherwise, he did pull the trigger. And so if you don't charge the person who literally pulled the trigger, not even figuratively, if you don't charge that person, it looks like favoritism because he's a celebrity. So I think that the prosecutor was forced, not legally, uh, but from a PR perspective, had to charge Alec Baldwin because he pulled the trigger. But at the end of the day, it's going to be Hannah Gutierrez-Reed that's going to be held responsible. And you think she will be found guilty uh, of involuntary manslaughter? I do, because her only defense here, I mean, she's going to try to argue the supervening cause here, the same defense. She's going to say it's because Alec Baldwin had a duty to check that gun. Uh, But he doesn't have that duty. And then she's also concocted some sort of conspiracy theory where someone was trying to kill this woman. And and and, and none of that's going to fly in court. None of that's going to fly. So at the end of the day, she will be convicted. I don't see Alec Baldwin uh, having any serious consequences here other than legal fees. Do we know
5: uh, at this point how the live ammunition got in the gun in the first place? Has that been
2: disclosed? It hasn't been, because I don't think that anyone really knows. What we do know from the story, John, is that apparently some of the uh, crew were using the antique weapons to shoot like prairie dogs or something on the set, and and that was going on with hot rounds. That should not have been allowed. Uh, and I think that's the theory, that those accidentally worked their way into the loads that were used during the shooting, and so that's how this inadvertent uh, accident occurred. Yeah, you just kind
5: of feel like uh, somebody needs to pay for this um, lives yes. lost, and you know. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. Appreciate. It. I wanted to shift topics, if I may, counselor. There was a uh, ruling by a federal judge uh, finding Donald Trump and his attorney uh, almost a million dollars for what they called frivolous lawsuits. Um three dozen uh political enemies of Donald Trump is that an unusual ruling it
2: 's really not uh, if you file a frivolous lawsuit, courts are going to make you pay, and particularly in a situation like this where the lawsuits were uh, had no basis, they were meritless. I think they were filed not only for p r uh for p r purposes but also just to make. Donald Trump feel like he was doing something, so he filed these lawsuits. He's uh, always used lawyers in his career a lot, and uh, and this fine isn't all that uncommon because lawyers are expensive. And let me tell you right now, uh, if this fine goes to pay the lawyers, that in of itself is good because... My wife says it's always good when the lawyers get paid. Yeah. Well, I suppose it is,
5: uh, unless you're unless you're the payee uh, or the payer of the of the lawyer. As, as exactly. someone who
4: uses lawyers a lot, as do you, John Hancock, I feel like they always get paid, yeah, don't they? They do get paid. They
5: get paid first
2: a lot of times, so, and there's nothing wrong with that.
5: Oh, no, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. no, yeah, no, no.
2: What about the political consultant? Well, mama's though, huh? gotta,
5: Mama's gotta eat. <laughs>
2: You got it. Uh,
5: Brad Young, your insight, as always, is highly valued here at The Voice of St. Louis, and we appreciate your time this morning. Guys, it's great to be with you. All right. Take so, care. But seriously, though,
4: I, I mean, if I were acting in a play, say I get an opportunity to participate in Les Mis tonight, mm-hmm. right? Do they shoot guns in Les uh, they, There was one gunfire that it, I, it's an off-camera thing uh, or an off-stage right. uh-huh. thing. But, I mean... If I were the actor, I, John, I'm not, I'm, I am completely ignorant when it comes to guns. I would have, I would have no idea how to even check, well, you check that the there's chamber. a bullet in the chamber. But so, I mean, you're an actor. What, what do you, I mean, come on, this is, this seems ridiculous to me. And, uh, you know, we, I live in a city where apparently you can go and threaten a federal facility and, you know, threaten police officers with shooting them and they don't come up with a conviction or a uh, prosecution of you. <laughs> But now we're going to get this guy who's an actor. I think Kim Gardner would press charges against Alec Baldwin.
5: You do? I do. Uh, in in the, in the, precisely this circumstance, if they were filming a movie here, I think she well, would do it.
4: Yeah, I I now we're switching topics, but we're of course referencing the incident that took place over at the Social Security Administration right. last Friday. I was watching the police uh, go hauling there uh, last week when they uh, we were on the phone with you. Um, and what made me wonder is. What was that guy in the Central West End who walked out with his gun and uh, you know ran for Senate? McCluskey was that yeah, his name? Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Mark McCluskey. Watching the fact that this person who was sitting in front of the Social Security Administration, threatening cops and waving a gun, didn't get. Uh, a prosecution, but McCluskey, standing on his house with his gun, acting a fool, got prosecuted. I, I, I bet he had to be scratching his head that night. One would think that's correct.
5: Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. So uh, according to our expert, Brad Young, Alec Baldwin is not going to be found
4: guilty of involuntary. I, I hope manslaughter. he's right. And put, put aside Alec Baldwin's politics and everything else, I mean, it just kind of seems silly to me.
5: Well, I'll tell you what's not silly. What's that? Uh, Providing more choices for our children to be educated. Michael and I have a differing opinion on school choice, and we're going to dive into that after the news here on KMOX. Your home of the Cardinals.
1: Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here.
5: The Billikens.
1: Jumper. Yes! Billikens win! The Chiefs. Touchdown, Kansas City! We are America's sports voice. KMOX.
4: Hey now, Hancock and Kelly coming back at you. And John, it was earlier this week that the governor of the state of Missouri, Mike Parsons, made his speech, the state of the state speech, down at the Missouri Capitol. He did. Had some interesting reaction. I didn't listen to it, but uh, wound up reading a lot of it. A lot of interesting reaction, a lot of support from Democrats, particularly as it related to education. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about education and why that's so interesting. Uh, Number one, we're starting to see education has strange bedfellows, right? Some Republicans and urban Democrats are getting together on um, some choice uh, movement. Yes. Suburban and and rural uh, Republicans are kind of opposed to uh, a lot of this choice. And I don't know that most people would, would really understand this, but you and I both know that and once you get outside of the major counties, the 10 counties where, you know, everybody seems to live. Right. Um, the most powerful person in a county, you know, name one, is going to be the superintendent of schools,
5: and oftentimes they're the best paid person in in a county
4: because they run the largest budget in that county. They have the most amount of employees. They have, of course, all the kids that are being educated there. So you have this natural support that exists for schools from from the right side of the aisle. Mm-hmm. There's been a push from a lot of uh, St. Louis Republicans and, and St. Louis interest groups, and and supported by. Uh, Democrats to expand this choice argument. Now, first, it started with, hey, let's have charter schools in the city of St. Louis. These schools were failing at the time. Some. Some were failing. Not the charter schools. I'm talking about the 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 city school district was was failing at the time. The idea of putting these charter schools in was to give families options. Mm -hmm. Same discussions happening around the ferguson Floreson School District. Uh, or the Normandy School District, right. you know, that there's Riverview some, Gardens. Uh, yeah, Riverview Gardens. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say Ferguson Floreson, yeah. but, uh, the, you know, there's so there's this push to allow these kids that are in schools that are unaccredited to maybe have a voucher to go elsewhere. I, I I am generally opposed to the idea of vouchers. Why? But I I, because I think that, you know, access to public education shouldn't shouldn't uh, be something that because it's failing in your area, we're going to move you to another place. No, we ought to fix that because some kids aren't going to have the ability to take that voucher to go elsewhere. Well, now there's this push to maybe allow vouchers to be used throughout the state of Missouri. And I think that's where this tension's coming up. I did a lot of talking there. I'm going to let you speak. So schools fail. Primarily
5: because uh, of the family breakdown. It's not for lack of money. Uh, We're we're pouring more money into public education than ever before in our history. And we're sending... We're spending more money to educate a child in in most public schools in this state than some of the tuition payments at the highest cost private schools. Now, think about that. Just the sheer amount of money. The problem with failing schools is you've got a bunch of students in there that have no interest in learning. They have no support at home to encourage them to succeed. And they essentially infect these classrooms in these schools. And once you get an infected classroom, the ability to learn by the kids that are there and want to learn is (laughs) impinged. And the reason I support school choice is because I believe in the marketplace and I think competition will improve things. And, you know, we have school choice in this country if you're, if you're wealthy enough to afford to move wherever you want to move. We have school choice. If you don't like your public school, you go move out to Fort Zumwalt or whatever. It, but that's not the case for so many of these kids that are trapped. And I genuinely believe that if students had more and better options, whether it's another school, another public school, a private school, a, a virtual school, a charter school, if they had more options— uh, the, the quality of education, the math scores that we all care about uh, would, would rise, I think you would see a profound change in the education system in this country. And I, I don't see what the argument against it is.
4: Well, I, and I can understand the argument as it relates to a failing school. Mm-hmm. But most of the legislation that's being introduced is to give kids, regardless of where they live, this opportunity to take that voucher and go elsewhere. So if you're in the Francis Howe School District, for instance, one of the best school districts in the state of Missouri... Yeah. Um, you know, now we're going to have vouchers that potentially could be used to go elsewhere, even for private schools. That's going to ultimately deteriorate the Francis House School District. Uh, what It seems to me that we ought to be spending the resources and maybe vouchers is something we ought to look at in schools that are truly failing. But otherwise, I mean, if I say I, you live in Fort Zumwalt. Well, I, if I'm if it suddenly there's vouchers out there, I'm going to get my kid in line to go to Clayton School District because it's the number one school district in the state of Missouri and arguably one of the number one school districts in the country. If
5: you can get into Clayton, uh, you know they
4: right the, and so the, the many school people, doesn't
5: have to take you, uh, you know if if you've got an option, but there will but, be schools that will take you. And look, if you're in a good school district and you're happy with that school district and you move to where you moved in part because you wanted your kids in that school district, guess what? you're going to use that school district but what if you know you're as a parent your values aren't being reflected in the in the school
4: even a school then you with do high and you do what my parents did standards. you you send them to, send them to some type of private school you and you say i'm going to overpay i'm going to pay over and above this but
5: if you, but you a lot of people don't have that option yeah and, but
4: but what about the kid now so you talk about the failing of a family yep. and so this school district xyz school district is failing and you're saying, hey, let's give those kids a voucher. It makes sense to me, right, to give those kids an opportunity. But if they're already lacking uh, the, the 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 structure at home to help them, and they're not, you know, taking their own initiative to get out of that school district. We are essentially going to starve bad school districts and make it even worse for the kids that are left. Well, Wouldn't it make more sense to put the effort into focusing on failing schools rather than allowing a bunch of rich kids to move around with their vouchers for different parts of the state to go to school? Again, it's not
5: it's, it's not a resource question. The schools are not failing for lack of resources. They're failing because there's culturally... Decay that has taken place.
4: But what and, about the kid that can't get away from the decay, John?
5: Well, what about the
4: kid that's stuck
5: in it and that, that wants to learn? And, and that's who I care about. I mean, you can't you can't solve everybody's problems. But if you've got a kid that's in a bad school, in a disruptive classroom, where they can't learn, and the teachers are burned out because they're dealing with parenting instead of educating— It it concerns me. It distresses me to see those kids trapped in that system.
4: Why use that? Because you're making a very compelling argument, and I'm sympathetic to it. But why use that as a Trojan horse to allow vouchers to happen from every school? Because Because eventually you're going to inevitably erode all the schools out there if people get. How do you know?
5: Because markets work, and competition works. And if I've got to provide. Uh, equality. If I've got a, if if I need to up my game to keep my local students, look, I think most people would prefer that their local school that's easily accessible, that might be down the street, uh, that is a short bus trip away. Most people would prefer that their kids be educated in that environment because transporting them across town is is a burden on a family, and. So I don't know that it's going to have a dramatic impact. I don't think it'll have an impact at all on the good schools. Well, why,
4: but why, why use the 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 individual problems as a global solution? Because I, the, the school thing. district's not failing in Francis Howell right. and Fort Zumwalt. And you don't want that money traveling away from that school district so it can remain solid. Why don't we, as a state, get serious in getting into these schools? That are failing and helping put together some type of societal structure so that all the kids will have an opportunity, wow. not just the ones who have parents who care enough to try to get them out. You know, I don't know how you solve the, that problem. Uh, but uh, here's
5: the other thing. Everybody bemoans the teacher salary. Oh, we don't pay the teachers. Let me, you know what will raise teacher salaries? What? School competition. And you start making these schools perform.
4: Right. They're going to hire better teachers. They're going to pay them more money, and all of a sudden, oh, then you're going to have one school district, Clayton, and the big schools who are going to be able to afford to pay all the great teachers, right. and all the other ones are going to be dwindling, and the kids who are left are going to be hurt. No, no, that's not how competition it, works. It is how it it's works. It's not how John, competition works. John, everybody, you're there's gonna, always people left behind in the free market.
5: Yeah, there is. Yeah, right. Yeah, but 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 this I'm, is education.
4: Exactly. We, we shouldn't be leaving anybody behind.
5: Well, we learned it. we're not. We're spending all the money you, it's possible to spend right now. I mean, the schools that, again, I'll say the schools that are failing are failing not for lack of resources. There's a whole bunch of sociological stuff going on that government is incapable of solving. Uh, but explain to me
4: how your solution's not compounding that problem.
5: Because because
2: if
4: if you and I have a kid together and and, and the kid's in a failing school district, we're going to care to move that kid. Maybe our neighbor is one of those people who doesn't even show up, doesn't care about their kid. That kid's still there. We're going to make that situation even worse for that kid because we're going to be taking those resources away from that school district. That kid doesn't have anywhere to go. This whole idea of pulling yourself up from your bootstrap at eight years old and saying, well, I need to get a better education. Come on. They don't even know where they're going to eat that night. So, well, and
5: again, again, the government can't solve that problem. The, the, you, can't, you can't make parents be responsible. Right. You know, you, you know, that's not a problem the government can solve. What the government can solve is providing more opportunity, greater access to education for the people who want it. And but, that's, that's where but, I come But
4: isn't here. inevitably the government leaving less opportunity for the kid that doesn't have the help to get out? I think not. I, mean, I think it does well, I, I, I think mean, how
5: how bad can it how much worse can it get than it is now in some of these bad schools
4: yeah i mean it's it's interesting because we see strange bedfellows right we're starting to see a lot of Republicans and Democrats getting together in support of this voucher concept, and then a lot of Democrats and Republicans opposing it. I just think inevitably once we break this dam of uh of you know investing in local schools. That we're we're going to make a situation even worse for a lot of kids.
5: That is Michael Kelly, and I'm John Hancock. Michael Kelly bought a cell phone. Michael Kelly bought a phone. Do da do da. Oh, dude! It was and a it took all the do da day. <laughs> That's next. on KMOX. Serving St. Louis for over 96 years, KMOX.
4: Well, I find myself in that nightmare on uh, Wednesday night. Nightmare. Uh, all of a sudden, my phone—I yeah. have an iPhone. Uh-huh. The, the 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 Apple icon comes up, Ooh. like it's rebooting, yeah. and then it would open up for a second, and then the Apple icon would come back, and this process went on for
5: twelve so your hours phone
4: straight. Was in the process of passing away. Yeah, and so. Now uh, it's like four o'clock in the morning. Four I'm trying to fix the, the morning, thing. I'm going, fix the sh- I'm going through all the trouble. I'm going through all the troubleshooting that they tell you on yeah. on the internet. Did
5: you dial the eight hundred? You couldn't because your yeah. phone wasn't
4: working. Yeah, I couldn't even turn the phone off oh. and on because that's what it was doing constantly. Unbelievable. So I make an appointment to go out to the Apple Store. There he was at oh the buddy. Apple Store. Have you been there lately? Uh, and not for a few years. Yeah. Well, may I hope that you never have to go. Well, uh, they they sell great I'm products. I like the people that work there. They're all very, very nice, very friendly. Very friendly.
5: You go in. My re- my recollection is you go in and you sign your name on a thing. Yeah, and then and, you wait, and then you sit there.
4: Yeah, and, and you okay, wait. All right. And so ahead. the young lady comes over, and now we're going through the same stuff that oh, I did that, that I did on. But you're now being waited on. Yeah, good. so and I had made an appointment. And oh, so made, wow. finally, after about 20 minutes of going through this stuff, uh-huh. I looked at her and I said, listen. Um, oh, I need a phone. Jane. I said, Jane, all this stuff we're going through, just you, you see a lot of this. What's the reality here? She goes, oh, well, this phone's no good. <laughs> we're going to have to get a new phone. I said, well, well let's stop this uh-huh. and let's get to the phone thing. She goes, well, you're with a particular carrier. You need to go to that carrier's um, place. And they happen to have a place in the mall. Oh. So I go down to the mall. Uh, you know, in the so mall. So you've left the Apple Store. Now, now I'm going and to a particular to carrier, place. and I'm not picking on this particular carrier no. because, by the way, I think they all stink, and that's where I'm going to go here in a minute. This is like trying to buy a car in the Soviet Union. Yes, and so now I have to go through the same rigmarole with this guy, and I'm telling him, "Listen, I just was at the Apple. They tell phone. me I need a phone. I'm willing to pay for it. Let's go." Well, what, what policy? What program? I said, I'm already signed up. And they, they won't let you pay for it. No. And they won't you, let you pay yeah. for it. And, and they want to sign you up for all these other accoutrements. All right. Hey. But, but you know, you don't want it. I I just want the phone. So after two hours of two the mall, hours. I finally get my new phone. Yeah. And it occurs to me, I'm watching sport that night. Yeah. All of the telephone advertisers are advertising the exact same product. I don't care if it's Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile. You pick them. They all are selling you the same gadgets, okay? They're also selling you the same service. Unlimited this and unlimited that and data and yada, yada, yada and blah, blah, blah. They are the exact same programs. So it doesn't matter who you go to. You're getting the same thing. But I'm watching sport and I'm thinking these are the most valuable commercials on the planet. And look at it. Every other commercial is T-Mobile telling you, hey, come get your gadget from us. Right. AT&T, come get your gadget from us. We're all selling you the same thing. We're selling you the same product. And you know what I would like? Save some of that money that you're spending to, to communicate to me on TV and actually listen to what I want to get done, which is I'm here to get a phone. Period. I don't want to get caught in your other traps. I'm already giving you too much money a month. Yes. And I, I am now putting why, cell phones up there with my least favorite airlines.
5: Why do they? Why do they force you to pay for your phone over time? I don't understand. I the don't Now
4: you can't walk in and pay for the no, phone. No, you, you got to pay twenty nine dollars a month. I don't want to pay twenty nine dollars hey, a month. Just let me buy the phone. No, you got to go up to the Apple Store for that. Well, I can't because I'm on your program. Oh well, uh, yeah, good point. <laughs> You know. (laughs) So you couldn't couldn't just go buy a new phone? Well, I have a corporate account, so that's why it's all a little little bit janky for me. I'm not, you know, Joe the Ragman walking in to buy a phone where I could have done it. Now, then I started to think, I'm so aggravated. Well, there's another word in there, Joe Blank the Ragman. It's it's an old expression my dad used to have. you
5: never heard that? No.
4: Really? I have now, but here before I had never heard that. Yeah, just kind of a description of just a regular old schmo, you know? Okay. So, but... But now I – so I thought – I started thinking, well, maybe I'll continue, consider switching. Have Ooh, you ever switched cell phone providers? I haven't,
5: but I've, I've given it – I've pondered it.
4: Yeah, but it, it's not worth it. Really? It's, it's, it's hours of nonsense. Really? Yeah, it's hours of nonsense to get out of your current situation. It's hours of nonsense to get in with the new people, and they want you to all sign up for years of this and that, and you, all you want to do is just buy the phone and pay them a monthly fee. But that's not what they want to do. Hmm. I I, I, disp- I mean, this thing is so important in our lives. Yeah, we can't live without it. Twelve hours oh, without you. it. you got got uh, three little... Uh... Well, the guy says to me, he goes, uh, what color would you like? I said, I'm black. And he goes, we don't have black. I said, well, I'll take whatever color you have. Yeah. He goes, well, we only have purple. I said, well, that's what I want then. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this is my life. I mean, not having your phone. You know, my poor mother is calling me. She's... You got scenarios that I'm dead in a ravine, you know, and oh, somebody you're not needs to answering come. The Yes, phone. you know, so I'm like, please, just give me my phone. Yeah. I want a new phone. Yeah, and I, I'll pay on time. I'll pay. Just give it to me. Yeah, it, it's a racket. I hate them. It's a racket. I hate the cell phone company. It's a racket. I put them up there with the insurance companies.
5: You, you know that guy that used to advertise here and get you out of your timeshare. You know. Yeah, yeah. We need somebody like that on the cell phones. Yeah. You know that their job, you make one call. I want to get out of this contract, right? They they take care of everything. You don't have to worry about the hassle. You pay them a fee. How great would that be? That there's a business right there. And when you walk in, they and then say we could do commercials on the radio. Right. Saying, we get it. We'll get you out of that cell phone <laughs> contract if you if you want to get out of your cell phone contract. You just call
4: us. Right. Cell phones, cut the cut the
5: whatever we want to cut.
4: So, by the way, I got the new iPhone. Yeah? For those of you who are wondering, what the new number? iPhone does nothing different than the the other old what, iPhone. Uh, what version are we up to? Whatever the newest one is. Oh. I don't know. Is that what, 14? 14, yeah. But it does the exact Did exacts. I know the answer to that? Yeah. That's it, incredible. It does the same incredible. stuff that the iPhone X did that I had, yeah. or what, 11, whatever number I had. I don't know what I got here. Yeah. But I do feel like they kind of slow them down as they come up with new models. Really? Like my my battery, like this battery here, I haven't charged it in two days and I still got 80%. Right? Wow. But all of a sudden, I mark my words, and it's not just iPhone, I'm sure uh, Samsung and all the other ones do it. They come out with a new version. Suddenly your battery can't keep a charge all day. Do you ever notice that stuff? No. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, but you you've got like a relic. Not like, good for the conversation. When your when your phone goes down, we the Smithsonian's going to come pick it up because I think thing, you have one of the original iPhones.
5: Oh no, it's uh this thing is practically brand new. What number are three you? Three years ago. I don't know. I, you know
4: that's probably like iPhone eleven, ten. How five. often do you change phones? Whenever they break, and I want to go through the rigmarole of what I had to go deal with. Hmm. Yeah. So like every three years. Four years? Yeah, whenever it breaks. Well, this one, this most previous one lasted two or three years. Yeah, okay. But, I mean, we, I don't know about you, but I use my cell phone. For I, everything. I, and, I, and I do more minutes on a phone. The kids that work with me, they, they, they never even talk on a phone. They just text and do everything else. Well, that's the one thing. I do more minutes than everybody else in my company combined. Yeah. You? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And, it, and these things are not designed to be
5: talked to you know no. you you run it you drive down highway 40 come no, out of downtown by the zoo there yeah <sighs> and it's highway up through there it's a you know you drop calls all the time
4: can't be doing an interview there can't do it no. at highway 40 there uh, right by Clayton road yeah if you're going by the airport your host uh you know but it, hey by the way if you want to rearrange the satellite you can do that yeah, right but you want to talk on your phone i'm sorry we're we're working on that <laughs> uh, did it keep all your contacts uh, it took like hours to get there, oh, but is that I mean, right? so, you know, you have to download it to the cloud, the cloud, the cloud, everything's I, in the cloud. How does the cloud even work? I don't, I don't, know. Know. I don't know. And then the everything cl- comes up and tells you, Ooh, this password was a part of a hacked deal. Well, everything's a part of a hacked thing. Everything in my life has been hacked, including my life lock. <laughs> uh, my taxes got hacked a few years ago. Did you? That's a, that's miserable. Cause now you have to file your taxes in a special way, right? Yeah. You get a super secret code or whatever that they mm-hmm. send and you can't throw away. Yeah, my, I've got a couple of family members. I would I'm love in. for somebody to uh, sign up to pay my taxes. Hey, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, but, I, but I'll be glad to go get somebody well, else. Whoever,
5: tax. whoever pretended to be John Hancock a few years ago <laughs> got a nice refund.
4: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah.
5: And It wasn't my refund. I mean, it was yeah. they, they just made up taxes. You know.
4: Uh huh. So,
5: my refund goes to the next year's taxes. Well, the show is just around the corner, and uh, it's Amy's an, here, Appointment, huh? appointment radio for so many of you. Yeah, and that's next, right here on KMOX.